Hey folks, this is a fun one. A conversation with the indemitable, imbomitable, indisputable, indestructible, think of another I word, Christopher Charles Morris. Um, Social Security number 12345-6789. He lives in 1234 Go F Yourself Lane, and he is a Virgo. I'm not sure what that means, but it's something. Uh, we talk about the NFL draft. We talk about UFC 249. And then obviously we get into COVID at the very end. It's a good conversation. I mean, we, we go on some pretty good tangents. Um, um, so if you want to, yeah, I, I highly recommend that you listen to the entire thing. Thank you, Chris, for doing this. I really do appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Um, much better than the previous ones we've had. Episode 35, 36, if you want to check it out. Just playing. All right. Here's some music and then the conversation. <laughs> Smile, though your heart is aching Smile, even though it's breaking When there are clouds in the sky You'll get by if you smile Through your fear and sorrow Smile, and maybe tomorrow Can you hear me? Cool. All right, man. What's up? Oh, not too much, man. Like you said, just chilling, working. Took a minute to talk to you on the whole podcast. How's uh, Germany and everything? Ah, oh, it's good, man. Uh, we're, we're just basically outside every day. I work one week, I'm off the next, which is okay. Um, chilling, like it's, it's not bad at all. Um, they were starting to reopen up everything, which is good. Um, didn't really come down here. Like this is probably one of the least affected areas, besides South Korea, if you're paying attention. To everything that's going on, and then um, that's about it. How about uh, Texas? Uh, I don't pay attention too much to the news. There's just a lot of doom and gloom, and I really couldn't uh, really couldn't stand anymore. But uh, I mean, the restaurants you still can't go inside. But uh, I mean, it, it seems like uh, we're, we're pulling through it. You know, uh, nothing too crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. It's nuts. They, they opened up yesterday, so. Mhm. Yep. I I don't think we need a. To beat that to death, uh, the draft was last yesterday. I think it ended. So I mean, that's a good place to start it, as any. You said you did. You pay attention? Did you watch it or no? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been looking a lot at drafts here lately. Like, uh, so you know, I'm a big fan of Moneyball. Just how how the whole uh, MLB changed with uh, you know uh, the idea of scoring and you know kind of changing up the old traditional style of thinking. Like, I really see a lot of that uh, now. And going into the future, the draft is, is becoming more and more stacked every year. Like, the players are just getting better and better. And, uh, you know, I have to think it's because these kids see these uh, uh, football players posing on Instagram, and they just want to get more followers. So like, okay, I'll play football. And then they end up going to the NFL. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. I don't, I don't agree or whatever. Um, I don't think well, – I, I, I think the difference is – It seems like that's kind of true. I think the difference is, um, I don't know, uh, if kids are getting, I mean, of course they're better because more nutrition, more paying attention, people are keeping, like, they're actually, they're starting at high school, they're starting at junior college, or, sorry, junior high, like, if they yeah. have a talent, like, you you have people going in, you have college coaches going down to junior high 
and selecting quarterbacks, saying, "Hey, we got we're giving you a scholarship." So people are doing this earlier. They're tuning and they're fine tuning their bodies and everything earlier. They're taking it more seriously. I mean, to probably 10, 15 years ago, you're just an athlete and you went to college. Now you're like, that's your job. Like, you know, by the time you're 12 or 14, like, my goal is to be the quarterback of this college team and do this thing. So, I mean, that same goes for basketball, same goes for baseball. So there's yeah. there's a bunch of – there's schools that are just dedicated to this stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Well, I feel like the NFL also has a major interest in this as well, and, and uh, the franchises and getting uh, the players prepared in ways that they need them prepared so they're more apt and ready when they get to the programs. Like, I see a lot of that going on. Like, there, there's a reason, you know, like, there's little guilds forming, you know, everywhere. Like, a lot of players will agree, hey, I mean, are we going to go to Texas A&M? Are we going to go to Alabama and be backups? I mean, what, what's our game plan here? You know, but they try to weigh <laughs> in and see there's a lot of communication between parents and, and uh, football programs. So there's almost like a – you know, uh, I would say I could need for a, uh, like a sports Facebook or something, you know, for these guys to be able to consolidate and communicate with one another, kind of figure these things out, because I think it's in the player's interest as well. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of teaming up. Like, uh, um, how many kids transfer three times before going into the draft? You know, they'll play at, you know, Appalachian State, and they'll go to, uh, you know, Baylor, and they'll end up in the SEC. That's just because the transfer rules have changed. So you used to not mm-hmm. be able to used to not be able to do that, but now you can, which is good for them. Like it's basically a business. They don't even think yeah. that it's not, which is we're not getting fucking paid, and you're and you're controlling my future. Come on, you know I get four years to prove it. Yeah, the NCAA does not have much time left on their coffers to keep this little charade up of student athletes, where they can continue to profit off their likeness and do their thing. Those, those yeah. days are those days are going going away quickly, so. Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, a couple of uh, drafts I wanted to talk about in general, there was three that stood out to me. Uh, the Cowboys, uh, Vikings probably. Uh, I'm not going to talk about them. Just The Vikings have picked up 12 picks for next year. Oh, wow. They are, they are stacked for the next draft. They got 12 picks coming. First, second, third, like fourth, 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 fifth, fifth, sixth, sixth, sixth. You know, uh, it's interesting to look at. They, they, they picked up a lot this year. Um, I want to start with the Cowboys. So they, they pick up CeeDee Lamb at number 17, which, you know, everyone calls that a steal. We'll see how that works out. Uh, but that was really surprising, you know, the, the, especially the first round. Uh, second round, they pick up Trevon Diggs out of Alabama. And they get uh, Neville Gallimore uh, out of Oklahoma, really good lineman. Um, pick up another corner out of Tulsa. Fourth pick, they get Tyler uh, Ayadosk, however you say it. Uh, good center out of Wisconsin. Um, good defense out of Utah with, I think, Bradley and Nay. And then they pick up uh, a little, uh, I guess, a Dak Prescott protege from James Madison at number seven. Uh, I feel like they got a lot of value because they got, uh, from everyone else's, you know, you know how ESPN is and stuff like that. Like, you never really know what it's going to be, but they got three of the top 40 players out of. Uh, Pretty much everyone's so that was kind of nice to see for for a Texas team. Yeah, they got uh, so the CD Lamb was the the wide receiver that his girl on the internet or whatever the people were making fun of him because she tried to take the phone and then uh, he snatched it right back. But he's yeah. Pe- people were happy and not happy with that pick, but apparently he's a stud. 
Um, Trayvon Diggs, cornerback out of Alabama, like you said. Uh, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Neville Gallimore, just rehashing what you said. Uh, Reggie Robinson, cornerback out of Tulsa. Tyler Baidez, uh center out of Wisconsin. Um, offensive lineman, uh, which he'll probably play guard or offensive lineman. Uh, Anae Bradley, a defensive end out of Utah. And then Ben Nucci, or Denucci, mm-hmm. uh, the quarterback. Yeah. So they're uh, – Yeah. Yeah, and then with Randall Cobb joining Houston, Cowboys needed a new slot receiver, so they they lost Cobb to Houston. I'm gonna I'm gonna shit on Houston after all this is over, but I want you to have the defense on that. But, there's, uh, there's no defense. Moving to uh, to a Miami, uh, the best draft I thought. Like I was so goddamn surprised with how they pulled all this off. So they get to a uh, great prospect. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential. We'll see what happens. But you know, it's it's just like anything. This guy is one hit away from all that talent being gone. Because these defensive guys, I mean, you know, it's just that's how the NFL is. Like, you never really know what someone's going to be until they get hit. Uh, they pick up a, a nice tackle out of uh, USC, Austin Jackson. Uh, he's pretty high up on a lot of people's list. And uh, number 30, they pick up uh, Noah Ibenogene or whatever out of Auburn. So they get some serious help. They get a quarterback. Potentially, we'll see what happens. They get uh, a big tackle to uh, help protect them on the edge. And they get some secondary help, you know, of all really top-tier guys that look like they have a hopeful future in the NFL. And then uh, in the second round, no different. I mean, they got fifth, 18th, 30th, 39th, 56th, 70th. You know, some really high picks here. They take a, a Raekwon Davis out of Alabama, you know, give them help on their front four. That's going to become a big uh, issue in the NFL. Your front four has got to be solid. Um, they take another uh, safety out of uh, um, Texas, potentially uh, – First round of quality, you know, uh, these guys are just getting better and better and better. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, throwing in college and uh, NFL. You know, the, the run game is kind of a, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a dying thing, but when you get to the NFL, you're not going to count on 200 yards, you know, on the ground every game. It's just not going to happen. Um, they pick up uh, Jason Strobridge out of North Carolina. Um, they take Curtis Weaver out of Boise State, outside linebacker. Um, Blake Ferguson, uh uh, long snapper, for whatever fucking reason, um, out of uh, LSU, and then uh, Malcolm Parrott, wide receiver. So really, really uh, prepared to defend Tua, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But next year, still getting two first-round picks, two second-round picks, thanks to the Houston Texans. They really wanted to see the Miami franchise uh, grow, and they're, they're doing everything they can to help them. <laughs> yeah, so they they basically attempted to draw. They basically attempted to draft an offensive line with this. They had eleven picks, so there's really, I mean, it's hard to jack it, mess it up. But they drafted basically Mr. Glass at quarterback. He's a he's a talent, and God bless him for getting drafted at number five. But he's too injury prone, and he's just stepping up to a higher level of competition. So that's got to be something that's um, weighing on people's minds. I mean, Fitzpatrick has half a season to go better than four and four to keep his job, and then you would expect Tua to step in and run the show pretty almost immediately for the Dolphins. Like this draft is supposed to be the draft that's supposed to take them right uh, to at least competitive, because New England lost their players, Buffalo's Buffalo, and uh, the Jets are the Jets. So it's it's got to be between I think Buffalo's the favorite for that division, and then Miami probably number two right now. Because New England fucking got rid of everybody. Yeah. Buffalo gave up some, some options, but they got a good weapon in Stephon Diggs. Their defense is pretty solid. 
uh, I would like to see them maybe get a little more on the offensive line. But, uh, man, we'll see what happens. You know, uh, Buffalo is an interesting place to play because, uh, like, uh, any, any, any place you play where it's cold is fucked in the NFL. Like, like the game kind of changes, you know. Uh, like, there's that aspect of the NFL as well, the weather. Like, you know, you, you kind of – people don't really think about that during the draft. You know, when you're in Buffalo, you think about, you know, maybe I need to get this guy because he's already used to playing in the cold. You know, um, he might, his body might already be prepared because it's sports science. So they say there's these proteins that release in your body when you sweat that you need, but also that when you're cold. So, I mean, I don't know how that plays into the the science of everything, but, yeah, they're starting to, to look at that. You know, where where do these guys play? Yeah. You know, you may not want to take a guy out of, uh, you know, southern uh, Arizona. Yeah, the, bill, the Bills the Bills life. picked up Jake Fromm. That's the that's a, a real good pick on the fifth round. That guy's got an uh-huh. arm. Like, he's a real good quarterback. It's amazing that he yeah. slipped that far down. But they picked yeah. him up at 167. Now too. What's like, up? So developmental. Like, like, you can wait an entire year on a quarterback. Like, it's okay. There's there's 100 more coming. You know, like, they're, you know, so. But, yeah, Fromm, I was surprised about that. The dude does have a cannon. And if they can, you know, control that, get that under control, I think that's a good thing. No, he wasn't a bad quarterback. I don't, I don't know why he fell so far it's crazy that he fell so far back there. But, yeah, that's a real good pick by them. Uh, they had uh, those guys in the first round, you know, Burrow, Herbert, uh, you know, Jordan Love, uh, all these all these top projections. But then Cam Newton loses his job. Phillip Rivers loses his job. Tom Brady switches teams. You know, uh, there's speculation about J- Jameis Winston. Did this eye surgery fix his 40 interception issues? Because the guy's got physical skill among, like, the best I've ever seen, like a cannon for an arm. Great speed. I mean, he could knock over linebackers. The guy's so huge. But I mean, you throw 30, 40 interceptions in a game. You know, it's it's, it's crazy. Like like, is it is it uh, time to cash in on him? Tannehill uh, got the job in uh, um, Tennessee. That leaves Mariota, a great quarterback. Can he can he transition to a new style? Was it just the Titans that fucked him? You know, there's so many options at quarterback that I really don't feel like. Uh, um, he necessarily had to go um, off the, the draft boards for a quarterback. Um, you know, there, there was a big free agency. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that guy felt a fifth. Uh, it's, it's like uh, they almost knew that they could wait that long and grab him. Maybe. Like, I I'm not so high on, like, Cam Newton had one good season. Um, Jameis Winston, he's just an interception machine. Um, uh, Tannehill was horrible at Miami. But he got the job. I got, maybe he needs to play behind an offensive line. But Mariota fell apart. So I mean, if you're looking to improve, they're they're not they're not really. Um, in Miami, what's up? Fucking guy, great fucking athlete. I wouldn't I wouldn't sold on him being like like the the best quarterback. But I mean, as far as his athletic ability goes and, and development, I was like, yeah, this dude, give him a year or two. Like he's going to be a force to be dealt with. Maybe and he did a great job with the Titans. Yeah, he did. He's a he's a good quarterback. He's. Um, yeah, um, he's but he's stuck in the division with Watson, so he's the second best, which is crazy to say. Tannehill's the second best quarterback in that uh, division, because Jacksonville, what they do? They traded Foles away, or they who the hell they got? That Minshew, they traded Foles away. I don't know what the hell Jacksonville did um, with their quarterback, uh, but they made a terrible deal getting Foles in. But I mean, Foles was a killer in Philadelphia. He had a shit season in Jacksonville and. I think he's in. Where the hell is he now? Is he still in Jacksonville? 
Do you know? I, I, I really don't know. I, I could look it up real quick if you want. Yeah, please do. But uh, okay, I'm, like like I said, I'm not sold on I'm not sold on Cam Newton. I'm not sold on Jameis Winston. I'm not sold sold on Marcus Mariota. Yeah, if you want to improve your teams, and I don't blame them. What? Go ahead and keep still on Cam Newton. I'm sorry for interrupting. What? That. So I mean, if you want to improve your team, like if you're the Jets or the Giants, yeah, get them. But if you're, um, I don't know what other teams need uh, aging quarterbacks or a 30 interception team. So maybe the Brown. I don't know. Maybe the Browns. So. Ended up in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Foles is in Chicago. That's what I thought. So. All right. Yeah. What What else you got? Okay. So uh, let me go to the Browns, which I was really impressed with. So they take uh, Jedrick Wills out of uh, Alabama, getting him some needed help on the offensive line for Mayfield. Uh, they get a really good uh, value in Delpit. So this is my opinion on Delpit. I think there was enough conversations that people thought he was a bust, or maybe there's some. Uh, how'd you say some mental, mental things they're looking at because, uh, um, you know, uh, they're looking into all that stuff now. Like, like if the guy got a hot head, no one wants a Terrell Owens on their team anymore, but, uh, the great value out of Grant Delpit. So that's going to help them in their secondary, uh, which obviously they need, they need to stop people from scoring so many points on them. Um, they take Jordan Elliott out of Missouri for defensive tackle up in their front four. Um, they get Jacob Phillips out of LSU. Um, great, great depth there. Um, so that's going to help them on their line. Uh, their linebackers, um, they pick up a nice uh, tight end out of, of Ford Atlantic. And I noticed in this draft, that's one thing I want to talk about too, is tight ends were, you could grab them whenever you wanted, and there was a lot of good ones. So but that's going to be interesting to see how the NFL uses that. Um, Nick Harris out of Washington, I put him on their line, and then they took uh, um, Donovan Jones out of uh, Michigan, um, giving him another target for wide receiver. Um, I need to look up a uh, information about Odell Beckham, because I, I heard he might be going to the 49ers, which I would love, but uh, we'll see how that turns out. I think he got traded to the Vikings. Don't quote me on that one. Um, okay. Yeah, but it also seems like uh, the pendulum shifting back to big tight end sets. Um, Baltimore Ravens, a lot of people are scared of them because they just run the ball all day long against you. And then, the like, you have Kansas City who won the Super Bowl. They're like a air raid or wide-open offense, and Arizona's going that way because they – have Cliff Kingsbury, but Baltimore can move the ball at will. It's just Lamar Jackson just shits the bed in the playoffs for whatever reason. So yeah, uh, saw that. I mean, like I don't really know what to think. I just, I'll take your word for it because I mean I didn't expect I did not expect the Titans to beat the Ravens. I thought the Ravens were coming out of the AFC this year. Um, I thought they would even beat the Chiefs. I mean, I know when we were making the the comments, I was just kind of on the bandwagon. I thought the Chiefs were going to win, but I was like, ah, fuck it. You know, let's let's make a contest between me and you. So I made a different pick, but yeah, uh, they they completely shut the Ravens down. Yeah, and Jump was just working them. It's just they didn't know how to do it. it's just Jackson. And, it's Jackson in the playoffs for some reason. The game's too big for him in the playoffs. Like when the game doesn't matter, he's a killer. When the game matters, he has a lot of problems. He uh, he's got two games now, and then he shut the bed for fifty eight minutes was a killer for two in his first game, and then he didn't show up for the second game, and his team got beat. So that's kind of what's going on. Until he proves otherwise, he's a stud in the regular season, and he's got a high chance of getting injured, and um, not much luck in the playoffs. So go Browns, or go Ravens. Yeah. All right, so uh, just go over some um, draft coverage here. So there's a lot of trades. Um, 
like I said, you know, the Vikings are getting 12 picks next year. Uh, Miami with two more first-rounders, two more second-rounders. So if they, even if they don't have a successful season and hopefully they keep Tua healthy, um, you know, I'm not buying into the whole injury thing with them. Like, nah, it, it's – look, everyone's going to sprain an ankle on, on occasion. It might be a repetitive thing. This does happen. You just kind of have to wait and see. You know, um, when people start getting hit and, uh, you know, cutting too much, like like I feel like, like Kaepernick and Cam Newton, they ruin a lot of their careers by doing what they do is running, you know. Hopefully they'll uh, tell them, hey, look, man, don't be taking shots from these, these linemen. You know, we need you sliding every time. And uh, hopefully they'll take care of them because they haven't taken care of their team, as far as I'm concerned, in 10 years. Um, so on the trades, we had Miami. They traded 26 to Green Bay for number 30, getting more picks. Uh, Minnesota traded 25 to 31 in San Francisco. Uh, my team picked up a really nice uh, um, receiver. Um, and we ended up with two first-round picks. We, we gave to Forrest Buckner to the Colts for number 13. And then we got uh, Javon Kinlaw, uh, basically younger, cheaper to Forrest Buckner. So it helped our salary cap, which I thought was a good move for us. Um, New England traded uh, 23 to L.A. to get uh, two more picks, 37 uh, 71 overall. And we traded, of course, to uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, Bossing at them saying we're going to take that lineman. And, you know, they need somebody to protect Brady. So we got a fourth rounder for them, which, of course, we gave to uh, Minnesota to move up to pick up uh, our receiver. Buffalo trading to Minnesota, um, number 22. For uh, uh, Stephon Diggs, a first, fifth, sixth in 2020, and also a fourth in 2021, while getting a 2027th rounder from the Vikings. Uh, so they they really wanted Diggs. I guess they felt like that's going to change their team. But uh, you know, when you have that one guy that can beat an entire defense, you know, it, it's worth it because you need to score. You know, you can always score on one play, and it can be a big play. Um, L.A. traded number 20 to Jacksonville. Um, and then they sent them uh, Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. Uh, Pittsburgh, they traded number 18 to Miami. Um, and uh, they got uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, and they gave their 2021st rounder to him. So that was interesting. And they also received the 2020 5th round pick to the Steelers. Houston traded number 26 to Miami. Of course, we all don't know about that one. Uh, Chicago traded number 19 to Las Vegas. And uh, that's about it, other than. You know, with the, the free agencies and, you know, trying to get value. Like, I, I, I'm, I wanted to talk to you about Houston. Like, I don't understand what that GM's doing. Um, as far as that receiver goes, uh, what's his name? I'll trade it off. Hawkins. Yeah. Okay, so in my opinion, guys that are that size, they're either wide open or they're stuffed every time. You know, they just don't have the size. Like, he's got a lot of speed and movement ability, but if he gets caught up on the line – like, typically, he's not getting the ball, so maybe that's why Houston felt like they should get some value out of him because they weren't going to be able to. Uh, no, it's, it was um, a – he's a top-five receiver. It's a locker room issue. Like, that's what it was. Bill O'Brien is the GM slash head coach, so there's no GM on the team. So he's making the decisions. That's why Trowney got Clowney got traded away. It was 50% It was fifty contract coming up next year because he was going to demand a lot of money. And Clowney is a next-level athlete, but he takes plays off. That's the knock against him. But he was – and he was injured, semi-injured. But he was going to get a, try to get a big contract. And they, they traded him away to Seattle, but got robbed, got fleeced for the trade in Seattle instead of just letting him play out his contract and letting go free agency. And then uh, the Tunzel trade with Miami's tackle, 
The Niners just showed you how it was done with Trent Williams and the Redskins. They got a premier left tackle for fucking three pennies on the dollar. Didn't trade away the entire farm system, but Houston did that with Tunsil and Miami, and Miami fleeced them. So they got fleeced by Seattle. They got fleeced by, um, well, Bill O'Brien got fleeced by Seattle. He got fleeced by Miami, and he got fleeced by Arizona. So for them to trade the like a number five or a top five wide receiver for an aging running back and give a pick away um, or lose, like lose in the pick trade. So we lost in the position player trade and the loss in the pick trade is pretty much inexcusable, even based on the fact that you lost in a Seattle trade and you lost in a Miami trade. And then after that, they give Tunsil a uh, uh, three-year, $66 million extension on his contract. Like, I'm, I'm fucking uh, shocked. Uh, like, Watson, I don't know how much Watson's getting paid, but he's like a premier, uh, he's like a top-five quarterback. Um, so they got that, but... The, the, the defense is young. That's great. The draft wasn't so bad, but they only had five picks. They got, like, a, a pretty good defensive tackle, um, a versatile offensive or inside linebacker that can play. But basically, any linebacker position outside, you know, he's good against tight ends, running back, blah, 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 so on and so forth. They got a cornerback. They got a wide receiver, and they got uh, somebody else. Nobody cares. Um, basically, Houston, yeah. Houston got fleeced well, in three separate trades year. with the teams – and then did, made some crazy contract extension when they could have waited out for Trent Williams, which would have made a lot more sense, but it's just the dumbest shit I've ever seen. So Houston's going to the seller quickly. Um, Watson, they're going to have to pay Watson an inordinate amount of money to keep him there, and that like, and that's going to lock him up in the cap to get any other people. Like Watt is over the hill. They lost Clowney. Um, they don't have any premier pass – like they have no pass rush. Um and they, they, all they did was add one defensive tackle from TCU to try to improve on their pass rush. So now, so they've, so they've improved their run stoppage because they can move Reader over to defensive tackle, and or a nose and try to help out with the run. But they have, they really didn't improve anywhere. On, um, I mean, they extended Merciless, and he's a pretty good linebacker, but they're not really good against the run. They're not really good against the pass. Like, they have no corners. Like, they get a bunch of corners from A and M, that are horrible like they're not smart they just fucking run around and try to hit people pass interference all this bullshit jonathan joseph went away so he's gone it's so their defense is going to be for us um their offense is going to be i have a soft spot for the defensive backs in the nfl since they changed the rules like it's really it's it's i wouldn't say it's unfair but it's it's extremely difficult for them to to do the job at the at the level a wide receiver can considering the rules that they have to follow like they can't they can't uh contact as soon as the ball contacts anymore none of that well like, so you got to get like after five yards I mean we're talking instant like like one rule that I hate the NFL is, is uh that you have to make the play on the ball you should be able to face the receiver with your back turn and jump because if he beats you there's no other way to stop the ball you know I'm, I don't I don't agree with that rule at all I, I think that's one thing that should change you know um you should be able to block with your your back turn you know you're not interfering touching your body none of that stuff like yeah I don't get that rule at all. Yeah, you, so you need speed. Like, that's uh, basically you have to out. I mean, it's almost impossible to do that, but you need some size or speed, one of the two. So you either need to be able to lock them out um, in press coverage or you got to be able to run with them. Like, that's the only two things you can do. And yeah, it's unfair, but I mean, if you can, if you got a good vertical and you got speed, you just jump, turn, and swat 
and knock the ball down. Like you don't need to intercept every single pass uh, to be successful. Yeah. So that's all I got. Like I don't know, um, but yeah, the defense. Yeah, Houston is going to be on the downturn. The good thing is, is that they're in a shit division. So Jacksonville's terrible. Well, I mean, look, uh, Indianapolis is terrible. Playoffs, the Titans are terrible. Make the playoffs next year. I have every confidence. Like. Uh, it's in their coaching staff as well. You know, I know that they got to make some changes, and I'm hoping that they do. Um, I just like it. Like I said, I'm I'm not a fan of that GM. I don't like the choices he made, especially considering Miami. I mean, they're getting oh god, they got a good deal. Um, but Houston, no no first and second rounders next year. You know. Yeah. And, uh, the GM is the coach. The head coach is the GM. Bill O'Brien is the GM of the team. So they got they got robbed, and now you're telling me they don't have a first or second round pick. Like, there's, so there's no incoming. So they're trying to get, I guess they're trying to, they're doing the opposite of what the market tells you to do because the, the market is telling you that um, you draft, you get cheap players for four years, and then you can move them out or do whatever. They're doing the opposite where they want to buy players or bring them in from other places. So they want to bring proven people in after that first contract, which Tunzel was a, Tunzel, Robinson, or Johnson, but that's, they got Cook. Basically, like, so I guess that's what their plan is. I'm not quite sure. But he's, but O'Brien loses people in the locker room. He lost Clowney. He lost Hopkins. And then uh, he he might have lost Joseph or just didn't re-up him, um, which was basically a captain on the team. So, who knows? Houston's yeah, we'll gonna... see how it goes. I mean, they're not in, like, the worst shape. I mean, they're going to get a third-rounder. They get uh, two fourth-rounders. They got one from Cardinals. They're going to have a fifth-rounder next year. Three sixth-rounders. Who cares? One seven. Who cares? They're not going to be. They're not going to be competitive for the Super Bowl. They're they're not going to be a. Well, that's the goal, right? To win the Super Bowl, and they're not going to be in the conversation. They're in the conversation for a divisional championship or wild card because the division is so bad. But that's about it. You don't think Houston's going? Houston's not going to go to Kansas City or Denver or New England and win a fucking playoff game or Baltimore and win a playoff game. Like they're a gritty team. They can do well. But they're just mismanaged at every level, and um, Bill Bill O'Brien only has like a year or two with you before you sour on him. So those are those issues. My my only issue with Houston is their secondary. Houston had such a great offense. They did great on third down. They did great against the run. Great against the pass. Where they got beat were just huge ass plays. Like like that 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 was my 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 version of Houston. They would go up twenty points, lose. I mean, how many times did that happen this year? Oh, that happened you know, uh, most notably with Kansas City. They blow so. a lead against the Kansas City Chiefs, and you can say the Kansas City Chiefs slow start, but you saw that potential. Like, Kansas City is not a bad team on any level. They're great defensively, great offensively. How do you go up 24 points and lose? You know? Like, yeah. like did you just shut down? Were you in the, in the locker room Instagramming? I, don't, I, I say the potential there. I think, I think they might be a Super Bowl contender next year. No. I just, I just, uh, I just see a lot of issues that got to be fixed. I think the potential's there, though. I'm not saying that they will or won't, but I was just really surprised. And you know, you're a Houston fan, so I figured, you know, hearing straight from the horses now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just. They sold the farm, like they sold their farm system for uh, an aging running back, um, a, a wide receiver that's um, not as good as Hopkins is. He's a, he's a step down from Hopkins, um, and they've made minimal improvements on the offensive line, if any. Um, they. Tunzel was the left tackle, and they gave him a big contract, which scares me because the man's got paid, so now he has what's his incentive to work. He's just working for his contract now. So, I mean, you could lose it, but you, Tunzel's got two years before he has to 
try to fight for his contract because if they cut him, he's such a cap hit that you can't cut him for a year or two. So he can he can take some time off before he has to play football again. Like that's always the that's always the problem with a big contract. The only people that play their contracts that when they get paid a, a bazillion dollars are quarterbacks because they're legacy and blah 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 and blah blah blah. You don't see many people maybe, get paid maybe, huge. You don't get you don't see many people get big contracts and then play their contracts out. Like prime example is Sue or Nadamikan Sue. Um, he got a huge contract and then he, he disappeared. So. Well, yeah, because I mean he kept breaking people's ankles and, and uh, organizations kept getting fined so much that I mean like his his big contract you add all those NFL fines on top of that you know that that's just too much of a risk. And it makes your team look bad too. You know, uh, they don't—they don't want a guy out there like you know kicking quarterbacks when they're down. I like you I, know, that, that was a big issue. My but favorite, there's also my, a business side of it too. When you put a big number on a player, that speaks to the league because uh, you know um, another person is better. Might be like, hey, well, I want this value, and you know you're not going to pick him up, so you know another team's going to pay for him. So there's the whole business side of the game too that a lot of people don't talk about that I see. You know, um, putting big numbers like, like Garoppolo. Don't agree. Do not agree with the the contract that we gave him. Um, it, it's because I, I have not seen him play enough in a struggle. The guy has just won so goddamn much. You know, um, how, do, how does he fold completely when he struggles? I just want to see more of that out of Garoppolo. But I mean, you know, the guy's a what was he um, eighteen and, and three in the regular season so far? No clue. Not too shabby. Well, he, he went four and zero with the Patriots and then thirteen and three. Uh, with the Niners, and I think he won the last three games with the Niners when he played with them. How far did the UFC or how far did the Niners go last year? Uh, Super Bowl. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, you know we lost. I'm retarded. So. Yeah, yeah. So. I still think we're gonna we're gonna beat Patrick Mahomes, but uh, we got a solid team. We'll see how it, how it all turns out. But uh, overall, like the draft is getting more interesting to me because of just just the the. The quality of players are getting so much better. Like you're picking up, you know, 2,000 draft first-round quality in the fourth and fifth round. You know, so um, maybe Houston won't be in such a bad space having um, all these uh, late picks. They can take a lot of gambles on, um, you know, teams passing on players for for biased reasons. And uh, we'll see what happens, man. Like uh, um, the draft seems seems to be where NFL teams are gonna start uh, making their uh, their uh, franchise moves. Because like you said earlier, it's going to save you money. Um, you know, the, the days of the running back, in, unless you're like a Marshall Falk, uh, Barry Sanders, uh, Saquon Barkley, I see no reason to ever take one in the first round ever again. They're a dime a dozen. Um, you can replace them with younger, healthier guys every year. You know, what you're looking for is, is just three or four yards to bust each time. You know, and, and that's more on the offensive line than it is on anything. You know, you're, I think you're better off having a, a running back like Jerome Bettis nowadays that can holes for himself um, versus, you know, these uh, little tiny speed backs that get, you know, taken down by 5'10", 185 corners. Yeah, I mean, or you just have a wide-open offense and have uh, like a Kamara type or a, a who's the Kansas City running back type where you just dump them the ball in open space and see what happens, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think the game's going to be played a lot more in, a, in the pocket, and you're going to see a lot more slide. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot more, uh, you know, bootleg uh, rollouts because the front fours are just getting too good, um, and you can't hold them. So 
90% of times you're going to get beat or create another hole for uh, a blitzer. So I'm, I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, kind of like what, what we, we did back in high school, a lot of pulling, um, trap tackling, and a lot of plays that, you know, they start this in the field, but then they end up sliding more to the right to create uh, um, time and space for uh, their, uh, you know, their quarterback to get the ball out. Cool. Any more football talk you got in you, or you want to go UFC 249? Uh, yeah, let's definitely go UFC 249, Gaethje versus Ferguson. So it was it was supposed to be Nurgan Medoff versus Ferguson, and it's been, it's like the fifth time it's been canceled. This is the third or fourth or second or however many interim title fights Ferguson's fighting, but it's Ferguson, Gaethje, and I'm picking Ferguson in this one. Uh, I'm taking Gaethje. Uh no, nothing. No disrespect to Tony. Tony, uh, he's he's a great fighter, but he, he has been rocked several times before um, by guys that aren't afraid to stay in the pocket. Like, um, I think it's a situation like uh, with uh, we were talking about with Connor Khabib, Connor Cerrone. The longer the, f- the fight goes, the more it favors Ferguson, in my opinion. But um, I think Gaethje is just going to tear him apart. I think we're going to see Tony Ferguson get fucked up. Uh, uh, for the first time in a long time. Okay. I, I think it would be bad. I'm, I'm, I'm going 100% Gaethje. Gaethje is just a killer. He is not afraid. He, it doesn't matter if he's tired. It doesn't matter if he's uh, um, dazed. And he has the power to knock you out and he's going to punch and he's always going to come at you. Um, Tony better find a way to get this on the ground, especially the first round, and try to wear him down a little bit and then uh, win this by points. Okay. Um, the fights are supposed to be May 9th and then – uh, Florida is opening up because all the BS that's going on. So there's supposed to be three UFC cards in Florida in May, maybe, or they've scheduled three. Uh, Co-main mm-hmm. is Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. Um, I don't know. Cejudo lost his last title fight, but it's probably because he couldn't cut weight or was cutting weight or whatever the case is. But these are two killers yeah, as awesome. well. This is basically an even fight. Like, I don't know who to pick on this one. I, I don't think Cejudo lost. I, I'm, I'm questioning you on that seriously. Like, I'm Cejudo's still champion. No, he's as far as he concerned. was a double title. He was a double title holder, but he lost in the 125 or 135, whatever the light uh, one is. He lost in that one. Okay. He didn't lose in the the flyweight or whatever it was. He lost in the yeah. He lost in the flyweight title holder. The 125 division is not really being touched or anything. So now Dominic Cruz is I think is either stepping up uh, or something. Let me get back to that. But you tell me who's going to win this Cejudo Cruz fight. Um, I will never bet against Dominic Cruz. The guy is so good. Like he's just unfortunate to have the injuries he did for as long as he did. Um, but uh, one of the best fighters I've ever seen, like ever come into the sport. Um, he'll be one of those guys that like he won't get the accolades he deserves because of the time that he missed. But uh, to me, Dominic Cruz is one of the top top twenty uh, best MMA fighters practitioners of all time. Um, I would never put it past him to lose. Uh, Cejudo is great. Um, but he's starting to become a little too Hollywood for me. I don't know how much that is an act versus the work he puts into the gym. Because, I mean, the guy was a, you know, NCAA champion and Olympic champion, if I'm not mistaken, you know. Uh, but it seems like uh, he's becoming more, uh, uh, was it that dude, Kobe Kovacian style, a little more UFC. But maybe he's just doing that to make money. In reality, he's a real humble guy. Because I saw him as a coach on The Ultimate Fighter. I loved him. Uh, I love him as a person and as a fighter. Uh, very talented wrestler um, all around, uh, you know, going to be a really hard guy to deal with. And he, he knows how to handle uh, weight cuts. So uh, we'll see how uh, uh, that factors in. But Dominic Cruz is going to be really fresh um, cutting that weight. So 
you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I'm, I'm picking uh, Cruz all the way. Okay, so um, he didn't lose the belt. He relinquished it. So he, he got rid of the – he was a double title holder, and then the – I mean, they sent him down there to basically revitalize the – not the bantamweight, the flyweight uh, division. He was supposed to fight Aldo, yeah. but then – sorry, cruiserweight. The, I think the UFC wanted to, to do away flyweight. with that division. They traded yeah, off yeah, yeah. Demetrius Johnson after he won, like, 13 titles. It's, it, and I think it's because the business was telling them to. I mean, you had a guy who's, who's won as much as Anderson Silva – Still one of the least known guys in the UFC, you know, after you defend the belt 11 times, you know, maybe it's, it's time to, to let go of that uh, that contract. You could pay him half a million, million dollars to fight, but, I mean, there's not really a lot of marketing coming out. You know, you're just uh, adding more uh, people on the roster, more, uh, uh, you know, uh, more slots you got to fill up with flyweight fights to keep the, the, the division interesting when only, I guess, one really cared was who was the champion. Yeah, so the flyweight division was on, basically writing was on the wall, so Hudu went down, took it from DJ. DJ left and went to Bellator or wherever he went. And then Cejudo let go of the uh, title, and I think that they were going to revive the flyweight, but then Cejudo, the just, Cejudo just let it go. They have options like the NFL does. Um, they traded his contract for some reason, and I think they did it more so he could make the money he deserved that they didn't have to pay. Yeah. I mean, because the guy defended his title six times and, and used to, now they add a ruby to your belt. Um, they give you a new championship belt every time, but those are $50,000 belts, you know, custom made. And they owed him like six, last time I heard still. Maybe. The uh, the last time that uh, Cruz fought was against Cody Garbrandt, and it was a loss. So he's coming off a loss and fighting mm -hmm. for the title against Cejudo. Interesting. So. Yeah. Um, it, it's, 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 what, it's, it's more what Henry Cejudo wanted. There, there's beef there. Uh, like it's kind of like, uh, you know, Dana's throwing people a bone when, uh, you know, you become champion. Like when uh, Bisping finally became champion. You know, like I feel like there was a, I don't feel like he beat Silva. I feel like the European judges gave it to him, and because he won that fight, then he got the title shot and he managed to uh, knock out Luke Rockhold, which is the perfect time for him to be a champion because he was not going to do shit to UL, Jock Frey, Whitaker. I mean, it was done. But then he fights Dan Henderson. You know, that was more of a, a payback for him getting knocked the fuck out and like, hey, here you go, Henderson. Thanks for all the work you did. Here's one final shot for you. Yep. Um, yeah, course, Bisping, you know, uh, Bisping, yeah, Bisping was not the best fighter when he was the champion. Like, he had the title good good on him. But, yeah, you knew that. You knew it was just a matter of time before he uh, was going to give that up. Um, Francis, yep. Nick, you know, he's got a really good market behind him. Um, and I feel like uh, so, so does Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz has really been pro UFC. He's been a UFC guy. He's been on been for him, you know, especially in the, in the sports news area. And uh, he's always put up uh, insane fights. Like like me and you used to talk about uh, Faber versus Cruz. You know, we always wanted to see Faber versus Cruz three for how many years, and uh, you know, we just could never get there. Yep. Um, a good fight uh, to the lead into the main events is Francis Naganu versus. Rosenstruck, two power hitters, but th that means it's probably going to be a pretty boring fight because both these guys can kill you basically by doing whatever they want to do. So mm -hmm. uh, I, this is another this is another coin toss. Morgan. Yeah, I'm so sorry for interrupting. I'm no, no, you're good, man. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'd like to see more uh, NFL-style guys uh, get into UFC. Um, the mobility and endurance of the heavyweight di division is very lackluster. 
And in a game where in any given time, you know, you're a human being, 240 pounds throwing a shot, you can knock somebody out, you know, uh, start start looking for, for better advantages. You know, um, the bigger heavyweights are always going to tire out. You know, the, the ones that aren't training like Miochik and they're, and they're really uh, balanced in their body. Um, I think we need to start seeing, you know, heavyweights coming in around 230 uh, with some really, really like light, light, like light heavyweights don't cut weight. That's what I'm, that's what I want to see in the heavyweight division. Well, John Jones would be the the guy that you'd want to see, but he apparently he got in trouble again. So his ascension, like he destroyed the light heavyweight division, and his ascension to the heavyweight division is going to be waiting for quite a while, if ever, because he got in trouble again. Apparently, so. Yeah, uh, I think he wants to stay where it's safe. I don't, I don't, I don't think Jones wants to go to heavyweight. I want to see him, and I want to see a guy who's. Uh, I want to see him fight a Muay Thai fighter. Somebody who can chop up those chicken legs and see how much uh, he stands against the heavyweight getting his legs chopped up. Now he needs the only to... success against John Jones is when um, people fire leg kicks on him. And uh, his legs are so skinny, I feel like that's it's something that should have been exposed a long time ago. But, you know, when you have an 84-inch reach, you know, good luck getting in there. Now he's it's boring. All the light heavyweight fights are boring because there's nobody in the division that's even close to him. He's It's like he's asleep every time he fights now. So he needs to go up to heavyweight, and that would be that would make it interesting, and that would make that would put your theory to test with a a light heavyweight that's in the heavyweight division, that's able to move and do whatever, and not just a power puncher, and somebody that could do whatever he needs to do. Uh, Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Qatar. Uh, Stevens would be my pick. I've never heard of Calvin Qatar before. Uh, speaking of NFL players, Greg Hardy um, versus Jorgen De Castro. So there you go. Um, Fabricio Verdum versus Alexi Olenek. That's a pretty good fight. Um, Carla Esparza versus Michelle Watterson. Uh, Jacare versus Uriah Hall. That should be a real good one. Who you got in that one? Jacare. I, I, I'm not. I'm not betting on uh, uh, Uriah anymore. He's, he's he's just too old. Yeah, not, he. Uh, still there. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he, he could be champion for all. No, he's that good. But he's just he's too damn old. If he's not, he's an honest guy. I don't think he's doing TRT or anything illegal. And because of that, I don't think he'll have the edge to win just because of his genetics anymore. It's not favor. He's like a five-back guy. He's short. You know, people know how to deal with those stocky, short wrestlers now. You know, and nobody wants to see uh, people buck on the ground for 15 minutes anymore in the UFC. It's not. Those days are over. It's not uh, Uriah Faber. It's Uriah Hall. Oh, my bad. Shit. So it's uh, Uriah, it's like the Jacare Souza. Jacare Souza. Oh shit! Now that's a match. Yeah, that's a big fight. Uh, He's the poor. Uh, go Uriah Hall is the poor knockout. man's John Jones. So I'm gonna go Hall by knockout, but don't count out Jacare. He, he's a lot better than his record shows, and he, he got fucked out of the middleweight title for for a long time. When he was at his best, he should have had a shot, and I think he would have beat Whitaker or Romero. But it just didn't happen. Um, I'm going to go with Hall just because he's real flashy and he's great with a knockout. But I think whoever wins that fight is going to knock the other one out. He is, but he's... I don't know, man. He's He is real flashy. He's like a um, style bender type fighter, but he just has a bunch of holes in his game for some reason. He's um, he's won three out of his last four, but that's coming off a three-fight loss streak. And he's 15-9 and nine in his career. He's just a... The way I put it in a previous podcast... He's a poor man's John Jones. So he basically has all the... He looks like he has all the skills and techniques and all the tools, 
like John Jones does, and that's what I that's the impression I got when I first saw him. But he just just hasn't put it together. I feel like it's a tough thing for UFC fighters because look, you only have a certain amount of time to capitalize on uh, the, your the best body form you can have in age. And at that time, typically you're just starting out. You're having to fight, you know, for cheap ass money. You know, you're always having to train. You never really get time to, to take off and rest your body like guys like Masvidal who took a year off, come back, and you're just killers. You know, um, Dominic Cruz was amazing before he got injured. Comes back after his injury, still murdered. You know, I mean, yeah, he lost the guard rep, but I think he was a yeah, I think he, he's a little too headstrong on that one. Um, you know, if he calms that down, then, of course, you know, I think we'll see a lot of those issues dissipate. But, yeah, like, like, like Uriah Hall, to me, had, had the most potential upside out of anybody who was with in the Ultimate Fighter, even though I don't think he won. He um, didn't. But he just he, he didn't take that time off. He didn't have that money for the training. You know, it's, there's a lot, a lot of things that people don't think about. Like, if he gets that money for the training and uh, that time off, I see – Uriah Hall is being one of the best fighters of all time. He could be. He has that potential, but, uh, you know, he doesn't have the money or the training. Yeah, the chip has sailed for him. Um, Vicente, yeah, I don't know, Sousa, Hua Hall, it's, there's a lot of good uh, toss-up fights. I would not bet. The only one I'd put money on is the Ferguson-Gaethje fight. Um, Luque versus Price, Mitchell versus Rosa, and Span versus Albi in the prelims. So that's 249. And we need some sports based it on all the BS that's going on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah. What else, man? What's up? Uh, man, I don't know. I, like I said, it, yeah, I was excited. I mean, I was really into the, the, the draft. I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. It's nice to see the potential and uh, listen to people speculate. Like, I try to ignore that. Like, uh, like I said, I, I looked at more of the kind of like the way I was saying it. Like, like, these guys potentially have a chance to be a starter. You know, these are the 300 best guys in college, and then there's all the, you know, free agency signings that are still available afterwards. You know, it's interesting to see uh, if he's going to capitalize. But, um, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I'm anxious for UFC. Dana bought a, a private island. So, UFC events are now going to be held on a private island. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds like, like some Mortal Kombat shit going on, but I'm sure it's for, you know, money. But, yeah. So that, that's going to be interesting to see. I want to see the big reveal of the um, UFC island where everyone's going to start fighting now. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, Dana White, like God bless him, he was trying to keep this whole thing going on, but it's too much uh, peer pressure to stop and all the BS that's going down. So. Um, well, he, yeah, he, had a, he found a way to make it happen. He has great medical connections with the, the uh, athletic commission. You know, he's like, okay, is there a way we can get testing for every person that's coming to this island? The minimal amount of people that need to come, you know, you, you put it in a place where, you know, uh, international law really can't do anything about it, you know. Uh, and, you know, I give it up to them as a business thing. But thank you for making it happen in a time where, as far as I'm concerned, we need it, you know. But I, I, was, I, I was so sad when the XFL got shut down, you know, which I understand people's reasonings. I understand your reasoning. And I listen to your, you know, podcast with the virologist. And I'm like, wow, you know, why don't we have guys like that that are, uh, you know, we're listening to, you know, and then I think about our politics, you know, it's, it's who's in control of the CDC and, and who's giving them money, who's lobbying, you know, and so we end up in a lot of situations where there's a lot of great leaders out there that could make better decisions for us. Um, and then the overall stupidity of just us as people, you know, like we don't, we hear about the coronavirus, but did anybody ever like stop and study biology for a minute? 
you know, or, you know, look at herd immunity and things like that. And people throw those terms out there like they know shit, but, you know, they, they really don't know a fucking thing. Like, like uh, not to criticize you, but on your end, you're like, the coronavirus is just a, uh, an overgrown version of the flu. Maybe, and, and I see why you would say that, and there's a lot of evidence to back it up, but it might have been some shit. There's a military lab somewhere that has effects that we don't really know about, or, uh, you know, like the flu virus that seems to evolve every year. You know, like, it's like secret science almost, you know. Uh, I didn't really know what to think of it, you know, but I felt like we probably should just let everything run its course, you know. Uh, but I just, I feel like the U.S. government and, uh, uh, you know, CIA, military, et cetera, all kind of said, well, we really can't afford the uh, the medical risk for this. Um, so we can kind of play off the economy, you know, drop the uh, uh, stock prices here and there, you know, deal with all that stuff, but we can't deal with uh, not having an answer for moms and dads and working class people. Hey, you got infected because we didn't do shit. You know, they're they're fucked for doing what they did, but they're but they're fucked anyway for for doing nothing. You know, uh, but then there's a lot of people that did everything they did just for political reasons, and they turned COVID into a you know Republican versus Democrat. Like uh, I love Bill Burr. Bill Burr was convinced that the NFL released the coronavirus because the XFL was doing so well. And they're like, who was the one who wasn't affected? <laughs> the only one that wasn't affected. Like, it was so funny, man. Like, he really hit, hit hard on it. And you think about it, like, yeah, maybe. You know? So the XFL was doing really good. Uh, I, I, I see, uh, 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 I want to see how many XFL guys get picked up, especially the quarterback out of Houston. I forget his name. But, uh, at least yeah, one. Yeah, man, at least one guy I saw got picked up or drafted by, he was in the XFL or something, and then he got drafted. Uh, in the NFL this year, I think you're I think you're right, but for the wrong reasons. Um, it's uh as far as the COVID thing goes on, more and more evidence is coming down that it just basically escaped from a lab in China, and then China's delay and actually telling what's going on, and all their lies and BS, and then them getting the World Health Organization as part of their patsy and the whole thing delayed. This this thing goes back all the way to um, probably November December of 20, 2019 is when it started. And then for there because they lied and because they did not seek the truth and information, uh, nobody started moving until maybe March because the WHO was still covering stuff up in January. And then in, in the States, they were still doing the impeachment stuff. Um, there was a, a video where the, Democ- the day that there was a case in the United States, uh, the Democrats were doing their little walk with uh, Trump's impeachment stuff. Um, in January, and then the media fucking sucks, obviously. But I think you're right. Yeah. I think they're all screwed. They're all in trouble. Um, I, 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 there's no big conspiracy going on. It's just incompetence, like there's always incompetence. Um, they're they're. Well, uh, I, I, I agree with that, and, and, and here's why: we know the media is is full of shit and bias. They're they're fueled by advertisement, you know, uh, political uh, uh, protection, and overall, they just lie all the time. So all the information we're getting. Uh, could just be narrating the story. You know, they, they have a lot more information on people than they've ever had before. You know, people like Google in their hands for years. They're starting to be able to predict people. But like, what is this person's tendencies? It, it's not, advertisers aren't just buying information for, um, you know, figuring out ways to sell to them. It's also very psychological. What is this person, you know, going to do? You know, like, like, like who, who's the next Unabomber? Does this person likely have, you know, based on this algorithm? I'm sure those things exist. You know, like, I wouldn't doubt it. 
but uh, the media is completely filthy. We know our politics are completely filthy. I mean, take 2008, you know, uh, banks, banks controlling all of our money, knowing it was backed by the government, being able to do whatever they want, and, and it's still not regulated. You know, we're still owned by oil because of our need for it. Not anymore. Uh, uh, well, I mean, so what the price is down. It's you know, negative. They, just, they put up the rigs and don't drill until the price goes back up and they start drilling again. Uh, it's a... Uh... You're not owned by oil because fracking in the United States has gained independence. So no, America learned. America learned from 1970. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, America learned learned from the 1970 OPEC crisis to become oil independent. It took 20 to 30 years to do it, but now the uh, United States is a net exporter of uh, fossil fuels and natural gas. So the United States is energy independent when it comes to oil. They don't have to rely on OPEC so much, which kind of hurts Saudi and. Russia and all these other uh, entities and agencies, so that's kind of yeah. changed the game. But now we're going to learn a lesson that we should not um, uh, ship our basically critical infrastructure manufacturing uh, elements over to uh, a nefarious partner. Uh, medical supplies, uh, micro, uh, semiconductors, microchips, um, intellectual property has all been uh, shipped to China for cheap labor, and they've stolen all of it. And there, uh, even reports of them not returning medical gear until they're taken care of. Stuff like that um, is going to be a big, interesting, uh, for the next two to five years, maybe six months, who knows, about what's going to go on. So, who knows? But, yeah, with the amount of people that actually give a shit about it and are willing to do anything about it, which I feel like is very few, the people who actually have any decent knowledge of this going on, most, most people attach themselves to the radical left or far right. The... Democrats are evil. Everything they do is evil. Uh, all of Republicans are Christian, loving, gun-toting, um, you know, bigots who are against, uh, um, you know, freedom of uh, expression and equality. When you know the Democrats used to be about making uh, things better for the middle class, they wanted higher taxes, more government control, for uh, reasons of regulation, so businesses can screw people over so much. That was the idea of their politics. They completely gone away from that. Same thing with the right, you know, very conservative. We wanted, uh, you know, to preserve the uh, um, constitutional amendments, um, people's personal religious freedom, uh, bill of rights, et cetera. Um, and we did take care of the uh, big corporations because I don't think you should have to pay 50 million taxes just because you made $100 million. I don't think that's fair either, but same respect for poor people, you know, when there's a, how would you say, the trickle-down effect doesn't trickle down to you, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it's deep on my heart here lately, man. Like, I, I don't I don't like where we're sitting, what we're doing, where we're going, and the options to get out of that are very small. And, you know, we can say China does this all they want, but they'll own our politicians. You know, the, the, the companies that need the cheap manufacturing to get their high uh, profits up will own the politicians that make these decisions for us. And, you know, Donald Trump proves how much money you need to become president. He's a, a well-known businessman. We still had to spend over $2 billion just to become president of the United States. And uh, the people that were fighting against them, I feel like, were, were very, very greedy and uh, had a lot of uh, um, stock in, you know, these worldwide companies and corporations, man. He didn't, he didn't spend it. The media spent it for him. And to your, well, to your point, just to reiterate, the, uh, he didn't spend a lot of money. The he got a lot of coverage basically because he's good for media. And that's basically they're a match made in heaven, Trump and the media. Um, but 
neither here nor there. Um, so basically what happened with uh, the other piece, what you're talking about, is, yeah, NAFTA, where people knew that Americans were going to get, the manufacturing base was going to get fucked out of uh, basically hardworking jobs. And that's why basically essentially why Trump got elected is because he went to Wisconsin, you know, the Rust Belt up there in the north where everything was derelict, no jobs were done. And he's like, hey, I'm going to get your jobs back. Brought up a conversation with China before anybody was talking about China. Everybody was talking about Russia and how they were going to be the baddest, whatever. But he was the one that pointed to China. So he's he, he does a lot of great things. He does a lot of terrible things. This is To me, this lockdown is one of the worst things he could have done. To be set with peer pressure to keep this going on and to take a hammer to a nail or a hammer to the entire system. And 26 million, it's not, it's a nothing burger. It's a nothing burger for 45 and below. And it's point, now it's every single, uh, every single study that's coming out, the death rate is like point, they were saying, oh, it's three to 4%. Oh, it could be 11% or the highest 10% in some countries, Italy, Spain, um, stuff like that. And it was bad there, but for many reasons. But now it's coming out to be 0.1, 0.2. And New York is the exception to the rule in the United States. But you don't shut down Montana for New York. Because I guarantee you, New York wouldn't shut down for Montana, right? And it's only an issue because it's in New York. And that's where all the media conglomerates are. So they stuff it down your face. And if you disagree with them, you're a piece of shit. And they don't like you and all this other fun stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. Yeah, it's just a rough time, man. Like, people will uh, assert their intelligence in any way that makes them uh, feel valued or like their opinion matters. And I feel like it, it really draws away from the issues of like, it takes $2 billion to become a president. You have to accept egregious agreements from lobbyists and corporations in order to get funding, in order to be a politician, things like that. If, if the Wuhan flu or coronavirus came from a lab in China, those things exist. You know, uh, our, our financial system is kind of made up. That's why I feel like we could uh, we could take the risk we did with the economy, especially times like this. You know, I, I don't know. And it, it, like I said, man, I just no no one ever seems to really want to go after the, the the core of the of the problem. We always get caught up in the details, and people will feel justified in making good points and sounding intelligent to win an argument and feel validated as a person rather than, you know, tap out and say, hey, you know, despite all this, this is still the case uh, of what, what our world has come to. And I don't understand this, especially because people have kids, too, and maybe you have to make a lot of concessions when you become a parent, but these people have kids, and I know how much parent would, would would they would do any? I I believe Yousef would do anything to protect Abigail, Michael, and Mimina. Anything, anything, and take a situation like coronavirus. Say say the food trucks stop coming. You know, I don't think you're going to sit there in your house after a week of seeing your daughter starve, knowing your neighbors got a whole bunch of shit, and not at least be tempted to go over there. You know, we're, we're all very tribalistic and self preservationist kind of people. And we're in a very corrupt system, so uh, it, it's it's a ticking time bomb as far as that goes. But if it ever fails, I mean, I, God, yeah, everyone's just going to turn on each other so damn quick. It's going to be so sad. Yeah, you don't. You're uh, a good quote is you're just four meals away from chaos. So, which is true. Like we're seventy-two hours. Like we're never. 
for, I mean, what was it? March 15th, 2020 is the good old days. So you're, you're, we're this close to having, I don't know, we're flirting with the edge for no reason, for no other reason than just because we were bored or whatever, or people want to change the world. Like they didn't read history books about Russia, China, uh, communism, the cold war. Um, people think they know better and they want, or Venezuela is another prime example. Like they, they just want to, they think it's unfair because they don't try and everybody's excited about all this free money that they're getting. That's just monopoly money, um, to begin with. And they're, they're the most prosperous, uh, best thing to ever happen to the humanity was wiped away on 16 March, uh, 2020. And now we're toying with this whole new, new era, uh, that we're dealing with. So maybe we come back to it in six months. I don't think so. I think whatever we are is totally different than what we were uh, March 15th. So here we are, April, whatever the hell day it is, moving on to the new, uh, the brave new world. And now we're going to have to deal with um, lefty, left-minded people thinking that they are correct in giving, you know, take 10 and give everybody a dollar. But you already see that you already see the flaws in their um, logic. Like you see all the governors, the Democratic governors, taking extraordinary steps of their power and instituting police states, doing all this crazy stuff. You can't go to hair salons, yet they're getting haircuts. Um, you can't, you know, you got to social distance, yet they're bike riding and talking to people. Like, it's it's always, like, it's totalitarian enforcement. Do as I say, not as I do. And they, they get, they don't have to suffer for all the totalitarian stuff, but the populace does. And people, and then people are buying into this, too. Uh, all the Karens and the Kyles of the world uh, want to, it, uh, one of the Ten Commandments is don't covet thy neighbor's goods. And I think it's apropos because you're basically telling your neighbor, don't enjoy freedom. Like, I, I'm scared, so you need to be scared too. And because you're not as scared as I am, um, you are a piece of shit. And that's that's a covet my neighbor that's type thing. And that's, I don't mean to interrupt you. That's such a solid point because that carries over to so many things. Because you're not as active in, in this uh, Black History Month as I am. You don't care about black history because you're not – you know, out there uh, planting trees, you don't care about the environment. Like, like these these uh, uh, absolutes that are being dealt, and, and people believe them so easily. You know, and uh, it, it, like you say, it just it turns into that argument of, well, it's red versus blue, and then the ideas don't matter. It, it's it's like because you're red, nothing you say has any valid point or uh, value to anything. In the world because you're red. Doesn't matter if you said one plus one is two. You, you'll you'll fucking argue to death over that stuff, and and it's it's being broadcasted in the media. That's all you see. It's a spinoff from Fox. It's a spinoff from uh, NBC. I feel like it's worse on the left, you know. But the right has to do the same thing too to keep their their gun toting, you know. Oh yeah, he said this. Fuck Democrats, kind of support in order to keep the the support for the party. Well, the right elected Trump, and then everything. Trump is all the action, but none of the substance, right? So that's that's what the right went. So the right's already jumped off the cliff in 2016. I feel like well, what can he really do? He is the commander in chief of the United States military. He, he cannot sign shit in the law. He can veto things, but the intention of the president was to be to protect the people. You know, he like he, he had power of veto to be like, hey, this is not good for uh, our protection. Or uh, for the people, that was the power of veto. It wasn't because fuck you, you're a Democrat. 
No, every, it's people have a it, people have a fit. But now he's this, this big political figure of he makes everything happen. When in reality, it's Congress who writes laws. It's yep. the Senate who, who writes laws. People have a it's fundamental it's misunderstanding it's of how government works. They forget that they have a local mayor. They have a state Congress. They have a state governor. They have um, a Congress and a Senate. They have you know district judges and everything. Everybody points to the president. And, I mean, that's where they go. And they say oh, it's his fault. A New York prime example or Texas, Governor Abbott should be making the policy for Texas. You have 50% of Americans, if, 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 if all the stuff that they're saying is true about Trump, they'll, they'll agree. And they don't even understand stand the job. Yeah. You know, like, 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 but, but they really believe it. They truly, it, it, their intellect truly believes that. Like they, they get validation from feeling anger and, and dismissal towards this guy who's being portrayed, his, his entire position is being portrayed in, in an ill faceted way as far as I'm concerned. A what way? Or, or what it means to be president. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's trying to be fancy, I guess. Like, uh, <laughs> misconstrued. The idea of a president is misconstrued in the eyes of the public of what he was supposed to do. Like, like we should be electing generals and shit. But he's failing. Like, like our foreign policy shouldn't, shouldn't be, um, you know, X amount per dollar. And, that, and that's what it is. It was it was supposed to be for defense and freedom. You know, we want to be able to travel freely. And but he's, I, I don't know. He's failed on his basic oath, which was for, to protect and enforce the Constitution. And it's right there in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights. You have a freedom of assembly, um, freedom of speech, and that's being infringed upon on a daily basis currently in many states. Um, Texas is one of them as well, um, where people can't assemble because of you might get your neighbor sick. And uh, Cuomo is a prime example of this. He's like, oh, you have to kill me. Like, you're, I'm, I'm restricted your rights because you might, infe you might affect me. That's fucking stupid. There's nothing in the, the uh, one of my favorite uh, topics or points, the Constitution was written when pandemics were a normal thing. Like, uh, you died of many diseases, and and nothing nothing in the Constitution um, says like, okay, suspend based on typhoid. Like, or if there's a public health emergency, all this shit can go away. Only during times of cri war um, or, or crisis, which I guess that's what they're using. Um, but this is not something. Fifty thousand people is not something to suspend everybody's liberty for like it's it's just not it's literally flu season so that's that's what the numbers have turned out to be and they they well, change they change their numbers time. they change the numbers from it, go ahead here's the here's the variable let's say we didn't do that let's say that we didn't do that all right and everyone just run freely then do a thousand percent more get infected do uh 25 percent of the population of elderly die in the united states you know, creating all, all kinds of economic chaos, life insurance payments, uh, you know, uh, how many more cases pop up to the, you know, family wills, lawyer fees, things like that, the medical cost of it. Like, I, like I, I, but then again, I think about all that stuff too, and it's got to be hard knowing all this kind of stuff and being the guy that has to make that call. You know, there's that aspect of it too. I'm not trying to be unfair. But, uh, so here's the, so you basically you're doing the, you're, you're basically, the point you're making is the counterfactual point. Um, but you can't prove a counterfactual. But we do have um, we have we have examples of what would happen if you didn't do anything. Sweden, South Dakota, primary examples. 
Um, so there's, I guess there's three ways to look at it. There's the surrender model, which is probably what we should have done because we should have just accepted the fact that, hey, fucking we weren't prepared, on to Cincinnati, move on. There's the mitigation method with that Sweden adopted, and then there's the total crush lockdown. Um, and then you could argue that South Korea has a different model and method, so does Singapore, where you identify, test, and quarantine them, but not the population. Um, Sweden just kind of said, hey, let it run, and if you're elderly or at risk, you quarantine. Um, but everything, and then social distance and all that other fun stuff to do that. Sweden is not an outlier, right? So if if this disease was bad and if your policies were something that were going to work, you would expect Sweden to be like Italy or Spain or worse, right? So if they did nothing, which is kind of what Sweden did, Sweden did, Sweden did, hey, if you're elderly, stay at home. We're going to protect the nursing homes and you're gonna, we're going to social distance and the economy is going to keep going. You would expect that Sweden would be an outlier, you would expect many more deaths in Sweden than in Italy, Spain, and whatever, and you're not seeing that. You would expect the same thing in you would expect the same thing in South Dakota. You would expect the same thing in South Dakota. Here's what I would say about that as well. Okay, so I imagine the general population of Sweden is a lot more healthy than we are. Probably not sitting on their phones 24/7 like like most of us are. You know, I feel like we have a higher population of a poor uh, or uh, you know people who just sit down and YouTube all day and things like that. And the kind of things we eat, you know, mostly processed food, it's cheap. You know, I feel like there's a lot of that that, that plays into that as well. You know, maybe they're overall healthier and because, you know, I don't know. That's not the argument, but, though. That's that's not the cool. argument. That's not the argument. The argument is you lock down, you stop the spread of the virus, which that that's a lie, too. Because the the original intent of the lockdown was to ensure that the health organization, the healthcare system, was not overrun. So, and it wasn't. New York was the prime example of New York was the one place where it might happen. And then you were starting to hear reports about all the other like New Orleans, Detroit, um, uh, whatever. Uh, na name your big, big city, Houston, um, Atlanta were supposed to be overrun and that didn't happen. So end the lockdown. But oh, the second wave, there's going to be a second wave. The second that you open up, the virus is going to spread. It's too fast. The, the second that a case was caught, we're knowing, we know now that um, we thought that the earliest death was the 29th of Feb. It was actually the 6th of Feb. Um, we, the, the COVID counter is like 3 million. In New York City alone, they think that 2.7 million were infected when they did their antibody tests. So 14 to 15% of the people had it. In some places, it's other. So we know, we, we already know all this stuff. We already know that 90, 99 to 94% of people have um, pre-existing conditions. We already know that less than 1% of people that die of this thing are under 45. Maybe maybe half a percent or tenth of a percent of people that die of this thing are under 45. Um, but all you see in the media is, you know, this person died. Here's this four-year-old coughing on CBS. Here's this, that, and the other. Um, we, we know that it's very viral. We know that it's, um, if you're elderly or you have a pre-existing condition, it's something you need to worry about. And if you have those people in your family, do that. None of this means... That you should close down the economy what's the number like is it their initial model was 2.2 million we're going to die if nothing was done that you can't disprove that you can't prove that but nothing no model that's why they don't want they don't want sweden to lock down or they don't want sweden they want sweden to lock down because that's proof that the lockdown was stupid they want georgia they want florida they want texas they want all the Midwestern states to lock down because if they're up and running around and no, not a lot of people are dying, then they know that their model was stupid. 
and they've already this is this is a cry wolf moment, right? Because when an actual pandemic comes in the next five years, or the resur- resurface happens, or the virus mutates to something crazy, yeah, and people are causing call. and people are saying, "Hey, you need to lock down." You need people are just going to tell them to fuck off, which is kind of where we're going. We're at week five of lockdown. This is supposed to last two weeks. Maybe people could have stretched to four, and now people are like revolting because this is stupid. People are seeing the writing on the wall. Um, they talk to their people have healthcare buddies, people have nurses. You can reach out. You're you're three degrees or two degrees of separation from somebody in the know, and it's just not. New York is the one place where it's happening. Everywhere else, you have anecdotal cases of where this it's, it's a shit disease. People are going through some stuff. It sucks, right? But nobody like I don't know anybody. I would argue for the lockdown in, in this manner. Like, I'm very neutral about it. Like, I agree but disagree. Like, I think it was a good move, but I also agree with all your points as well. You know, March 16th, uh, I'm, I'm all with you. But think about it from this perspective. If, if they allowed just a free flow and there was an influx of infection, uh, people just rushing to the hospital, you know, our, our entire medical system could have possibly been overstrained to the point where they couldn't provide proper care or, uh, you know, uh, all the workers get infected, then what do you do? You know, there's no one to provide medical care at all. And then, you know, that, that, that take that into account as well. It's, it's, there's a lot, a lot of little header points that, that you really got to get deep into to uh, get like the whole story. And I mean, just, it's all interesting to me. So like, you could like just, you can justify the decision for two weeks because you didn't have any information from China and you saw what was happening in Italy and Spain and it's a holy shit moment, right? And everybody's fucking freaking out. Um, don't listen to our media, um, but everybody, nobody was paying attention in January. Everybody started panicking in March, right? But the numbers are in. If they weren't in last week, they're most assuredly in this week where it's it's already around, it's been here, and it's not the calamity that it was, that was, that it was thought to be. And the original purpose of the lockdown was to stop what you just said, and that hasn't occurred, right? And there's no indication that it will occur. And now... Um, you need people, smart people to say like herd immunity is the, is the solution to this because there are, you know, typhoid, measles, polio, um, all these crazy diseases that were going on. The vaccine wasn't created until a lot of people had it and it kind of spread through. Like surrender is the model uh, to deal with. Like you can lock down, but you can only lock down for so long. Now we've gotten to a point where it's not about the lockdown anymore. It's about ideology and like you said, red versus blue, and this is an opportunity for the blue to institute their new world order in universal basic income and police state and socialism and Green New Deal. And you're seeing that with all the uh, Congress laws, like the phase two, phase three, phase four stimulus bill where Pelosi was delaying the stuff because she wanted to institute certain things to put in the – it wasn't about the coronavirus. It was about sitting their agenda, changing the voting laws. Um, doing all this, like uh, refilling the state pensions that uh, California, New York, Illinois are way in the red on, or the black, whatever the red or the black on. The, they want a state bailout. Not, it's not about the coronavirus anymore. It's about instituting their their plans. And this is so we're three weeks too long. It should have been a two week lockdown. You can justify that two week lockdown. Like I'm kind of on board. You kind of get along to get along. You get understand. You don't want to over overwhelm the healthcare system. You don't have enough information, but those days are over. Like, you have enough information. There's six or seven studies out there that say it's already been here. Uh, um, Los Angeles, 2.5 million um, or 2-plus million. New York City, 2-plus million people already have it. 
and the, the COVID counter that they keep telling you on CNN is 3 million people worldwide, 160,000 deaths. I just told you that Los Angeles had antibodies of over 2 million people, and New York has over, that's Los Angeles and New York have over 2 million people that have been infected by the antibody tests. And that's 4 million people. But, in, but CNN is telling you 3.1 million, or John Hopkins is telling you 3.1 million people are infected. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lie. So the lie is mm-hmm. over. The lie has been, the, the inf- if, if not last week, if it should have been last week, it should have been a week before last, but it's definitely this week. Like you're looking, if you look at the numbers, if you're a bean counter, you don't have to be a virologist. You don't have to be an economist. You just have to be a, a rational person to look at the numbers and say, this, we're, we're, we're mad, we're crazy. And we've done so much damage, like 26 million, like 26 million un- people unemployed, um, 30% GDP reduction, 30% unemployment, um, small businesses by the thousands are done, um, and maybe may, may, may not come back, whatever the case is. Um, the 2.7 trillion added to the debt, to debt, um, six, uh, sorry, 4 trillion in Fed spending, just like 2008. Um, and then all these lefties claiming it's not about coronavirus anymore. It's about Trump saying the wrong word and wanting to inject you with Lysol and is, he's being irresponsible. They're not talking about real issues. They're just orange man well, bad. Correct. I would expect there to be another housing crisis as well. Oh no, we're, uh, there's a there's there's I, so many there's I, so many landmines that we've created. There's so many landmines that we've created with our decision process that we don't know what's going to happen. Like we have no clue. Um, so all these discussions and topics that we were having, that we were kind of inching towards, are now in our lap. Because if you're a small business owner. What incentive do you have to start another business when the government can just come in and crash you? Because that's a real thought, right? If you're a small business owner, a real thought is in September and October, they're just going to shut everything down again because I don't have to work. Or if you're a labor person and you're getting unemployment for $600 an extra, um, $600 extra than you used to get, why would you go back to work until you you'd run your six month of unemployment because you're getting paid $600 more than you were getting paid? So that you have a, you have a big incentive not to go back to work. So the labor force is kind of be going to kind of be screwed until September October. The bond market's going to be crazy. Um, the stock market's going to be crazy. The small businesses are are tattered and destroyed. Um, so all these landmines that we've created are for ourselves for mi- misinformation. So I I kind of get with you. Like the two weeks from March sixteenth to March thirty first is understandable, but any date past that is just not rational thinking. So there's been three weeks of not rational thinking going on, and they're trying to play politique as normal, and it's it's pretty embarrassing. And the the states, like I remember, I, I remember distinctly saying that the United States is in the best position to handle this because of you know freedom isn't free, all the all the stuff we're going on, and you're kind of seeing that with the protests and stuff. But it's it's an astounding level of compliance and complicity in rights violations that's going on despite all available evidence saying that this is a nothing burger. Um, it's, you know, I, I make that statement uh, generally. Like, there are people that died. It's serious tracking. But if you're under 45, this is not a thing, right? It's not. And if you're a healthy person, this is not a thing. It may it may get, like, lightning might strike and get you, but you always do this. You drive to work. You you go swimming. Like, you go skydiving. You do You do these things. And now you can't. Like those calculations are all messed up because of the fucking stupidity. 
left totalitarianism, socialism, whatever, whatever this it's totalitarianism. That's, that's what's going on right now. And now we're living that dream. So. Uh, I think we were kind of living in it for a while, but yeah, it's just more oh. apparent. Yeah, yeah it's it's in your face now. So. But, uh, yeah, I, I would I would say like yeah, if, it, if if those numbers are all correct, yeah, we're going to expect to see some some major major collapses in the financials. But yeah, more than we've already seen. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I expect if twenty six million people lost their jobs, there's going to be another housing bubble. Definitely. No, they, they did. Those to, those are the numbers. They're going to stop the payment. Are they? In the last, that that's happened. Like it's it's gone both ways. Some are vacating their house. Some are like saying we're not gonna like I'm not gonna make you pay. Some are saying I'm not paying, and then they're, they're just squatting. Like all you can pick so, every flavor, yeah, and it's happening. But that's 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 a true number. Twenty six million people have lost their job in five weeks. Like that's a number. That's that's real. So, uh, we've spent two point seven trillion dollars um, to help do this. That's a real number, which means our deficit this year is 3.7 trillion. That's a real number, um, which typically is 1.1 trillion. Like every year, we 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 balloon up the budget or the debt to 22 to 23 trillion. We're adding 3.7 trillion dollars in debt this year. So when they create those bonds to back the money that they're filling for small businesses and all this other stuff, who's going to buy those bonds? The Fed or China? Those are the only two people that can buy them. So which means. That if you, uh, the s small business um, loans have been nationalized, right? So you can't invest in small businesses anymore because the small business is going to go to the government because they're going to get a 0% or forgivable loan as opposed to if, if you pay, you are going to expect money back with interest, right? So if you give 100 bucks to a small business, you're going to expect 110 bucks back in a year, something like that, right? Now when they... When they uh, they go to the government, they get a hundred bucks, and they may not have to pay it back. Which, so now the small business investing is nationalized. So that's the first of many, many things that we're dealing with, that are just insane. Yeah, it's crazy times, man. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm I'm a weirdo, so I'm a crazy person. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then so. uh, final point, and unless we want to keep talking. Um, we put ourselves in worse position for the surge because all the shutdowns, all the hospital shutdowns, all the elective procedures that were discontinued, all the hospitals that have shuttered doors, all the doctors that are furloughed that were doing elective procedures, all the profit models for the hospitals that have been destroyed. Um, we're in a worse position for the surge in September, October than we would have been if everything would have been, would have kept going. And we, would ju we just would have treated uh, and responded to New York like a hurricane hit it. Like that's essentially what happened. Um, we, we diverted resources where they didn't need to go. Um, mismanaged up and down. We sent a ship to San Diego. Nothing happened. We sent a ship to. We sent a field hospital to Seattle. Nothing happened. It was out of an abundance of caution, tracking because we didn't know. So you can kind of forgive those mistakes. But it's it just shows the ineptitude of government. Uh, and if you depend on the federal government or the state government to solve or save your problems, it's local. Like local government's what's going to help you. So um, for for the New York government, New Jersey government to point at D.C. and say, we didn't have enough ventilators or we didn't have enough masks. That's their fucking problem. Like, you're a governor of a state. Like, how do you not have a Federal Reserve? You, you have the biggest, most populous city in the world, in New York City, and you don't have, uh, you're not ready for a pandemic or a flu or something to spread through New York? Get out of here. Go away. So. Oh, that makes a lot of sense to not be prepared. Uh, they, they, they don't do their jobs very well for the most part. And I was listening to this doctor talk about it. I mean, the shortage of ventilators, okay, maybe 
But, I mean, he was saying that 93.1% of the people that ended up on ventilators, they died. So if you were at that point of the coronavirus, you were going to die. Yeah. For the most part. So, and, and, yeah, and that's all they that's all they scrambled for, for like, for weeks, a week or two. Ventilators, ventilators, ventilators. That was the thing. And they're, they're eight steps behind this virus every every step of the way. The virus was here in January, and we know that it spread so quickly. And we weren't seeing these crazy—maybe we were. Maybe when they look back, they'll they'll have these this crazy death toll arise. But it, it definitely gets you into the numbers, and it makes you think about pandemics. But in 2009, a huge 81,000 people died of the flu. In uh, 2017, 2018, 61,000 people died of the flu. Um, but they have ranges. Like, they don't really track it. So it's interesting to see how they how they follow up. And the CDC has a number of 24,000. The media is reporting 51,000. Okay, great. It's it's a range. It's an estimation. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, and then uh, 2.8 million people died last year. Crazy. 650,000 people have died since January 1st. Nuts. I, these are numbers I never thought I would be, like dive into and see how soup and potatoes are done, but... Those are numbers that we're dealing with. So you're going to have to wait until December 31st to see if, like, usually, typically on an, on an average year, about 3 million people die in the United States through all-cause mortality. So we're going to have to, we're going to, have to see if it's 3.1 or 3.5, then they would, you know that something's up. That's, that's the only way I know something's up in New York is because you can't trust what fucking CNN's telling you about, oh, 6,000 people are dying because then you'll see somebody on Twitter come up and say, my hospital's empty. You have to know that, like, what are the firehouses reporting? What are the hospitals reporting? There was definitely an uptick in deaths from last year, about 30 to 75% in New York City. So you know something's up in New York, right? But you're not seeing that anywhere else. But, but on, the, on the counter side, people are staying home when they, got, they have cancer treatments, heart attacks, all this other shit. They're not going in because everybody's afraid of this fucking big bad coronavirus. And if you look at the numbers, yeah. But if you have cancer or you have hypertension, yeah, maybe you have something to worry about. But if you need a knee surgery or whatever, it's not a thing. So, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's, we'll have to wait and see, man. It's, uh... We yeah. can't, you it's can't, dangerous. like, I don't know. I feel like day, it's, it's going to be about everything you're talking about, and we're never going to get to the root of the problems. Uh, I believe it'll so. Be about, it'll, be, it'll be about the information. The argument will be about the information. But, and, and the information won't, won't, uh... I don't know. It, it won't be received. Kind of. It'll, it'll be about. Oh, we had the right information, and that's why. Blah 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 blah. And that'll be the argument. You know, the re resolution won't be like, like, like what we're talking about. Like, where was the problem? What did we do wrong? How can we fix this? It'll be like, well, we were right, so that's good enough. Yeah, it'll yeah. be it'll be red versus blue. Yeah, if we slip back to red versus blue, I don't I don't have much faith or hope in us. Like we need. Um, yeah, everybody that was involved in this needs to step down. And go away and return their money. And anybody that was that made or profited out of this for the last twenty years needs to give their money back. So, all right, man, it's been fun. It's been real. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. Good podcast. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Yeah, you stay classy and get back to work. I definitely will. All right, man. Talk to you later. Yep.
Thank you.